This morning, uh, we are continuing our sermon series uh, on mission, and I'm going to ask Megan, would you care to turn the house lights up just a little bit so I can see these people? Who's out there? There you are. All right, that's good. Uh, we're in our, in our series on mission about how we uh, get on mission perfect. Thank you. This is my wife. Come here. Let everybody look at you. In case y'all don't know. This is my wife, Bethany. Hey, look at that. I'm done. Like I'm going home at this point. I don't even need to preach. That's pretty good. Um, but we're in this series called On Mission where we are talking about being a missional church, where we were talking about uh, the first sermon was just took us right back to the last words Jesus spoke to his followers that said, therefore, go. Go be disciples, and if you're being a disciple, you're going to make disciples. And that wasn't just to, to preachers. It was to the entire church, followers of Christ. We should all, if we're going to be disciples, we're called to make disciples, which means sharing the gospel with friends, coworkers, neighbors, and, uh, and others. So, as we walked through that, we spent last week and, and took a little bit uh, of a, a pause and uh, from what I, I planned to preach this sermon last week, but I wanted to wait until I could, I could see you all. And, uh, and we just talked about the challenge and chaos last, last week and what we're supposed to do when things are just feel like they're totally uh, out of control. And we found out that Paul made it clear, like, if you want to stay focused in the midst of chaos and uncertainty, you need to see the unseen. He said, focus on the things you can't see. Focus on, on the cross of Christ. Focus on God living inside of you. Focus on the hope of heaven and eternity in the future. And then we, we said, don't just see the unseen. We said, be the unseen. That you and I, the church, are the only example, the only God that some of our neighbors will ever see. Right? If the gospel is going to spread, it's going to be through you and me. So be the unseen. So today we're talking about the risk of distraction. This little thing right here, this is, a, right, this, is, this is embodying our mission, the thing that God has called in your life, has for you to do. And some of you all, you got it, and, but you're over here. Okay? Like you, you know God's calling you into a place, a thing. Or maybe just he, he's not asking you to do anything different. He's just saying, I want you to see where you are as a mission field. And I want you to live it out. And, and, but sometimes we get focused on us, and we're like, I know it's over there, but I'm staying over here. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to be close to it. Some of us might brush up against it, right, come up, sit on it for a minute, live it for a Sunday, and then, you know, get distracted. Uh, what we're talking about is this, and it's dangerous, literally, <laughs> is to be on it. Right? At the end of this series, what we want to know is that God has a path and a purpose for each and every person. And we don't want to rest outside of that. We want to live on top of it and in the middle of it. And we, we don't want to compartmentalize, compartmentalize our life so that, yeah, I got purpose in this, but over here I got to go do my job and I got to go to school, but then I'm still going to try. And God's saying, I got purpose for you at your job. I got purpose for you in your classroom. Like, you don't have to go do other things right where you are. I got to get in that classroom and you're my little mole. All right? Like, I got purpose for you right where you are. I need you to get on it. So we're going to talk this morning uh, about some things that can distract us and the risk of distraction. We're going to be in Luke chapter 9. Um, I'm going to skip that. Skipping the offering. Great pastor here. 
If y'all want to give, the box is over there. If you want to give, it's online. You know how to give. God takes care of us. I'm not going to. Y'all are quiet this morning, man. You should, that, if anything deserves an amen, it should be the pastor skipping the offering. <laughs> Luke 9, 51 says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. This was a time in Jesus' life when he knew it was time and he knew what Jerusalem meant. But he says he resolutely set out on a mission to go to the place that was going to mean death for him, but give hope for life for all of mankind. And here in this moment, we found that Jesus is not distracted. He is super focused. He's resolutely, he's on mission. He is going to Jerusalem and he's invited you and me to join him in this mission and he's told us what that costs and what it means. Luke 9, 23, he said, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Amen. All right, at the end of Luke chapter 9, Jesus gives this invitation to three different people to follow him. Same invitation he's given to you, and we're going to see the responses in this exchange. But the, the devil, uh, if he can do anything, um, he, he may not distract you with badness, but busyness. Okay, there, there's some stats out there uh, that says, um, y'all got a cell phone with you? Hold it up. The number is 110. 110 times on average the, the adult checks their phone per day. 110 times. Guess what I did this morning? I forgot my phone. And I was going to hold it up. It was part of the illustration everything. I forgot. I'm not bragging like I died when I was in the car on the way here. Like literally, like I thought, I can't have church today. I don't have my phone. 84% of uh, worldwide cellulars report not being able to go a single day without their phone in their hand. 50% of teens admit to being addicted to their cell phones. It's simply something they can't live without. Satan has got us in the most distracted culture that has ever existed on this planet. The most distracted generation is us. we got everything in the world coming at us. There's another stat by Lifeway that says 80% of churchgoers say they believe they have personal responsibility to share their faith, but 61% say that they haven't in the past six months. This tells us we know what to do, that we may sing what we just sang, I have decided to follow Jesus. But it's, a, it's easy to make decisions, isn't it? I mean, I decide to eat healthier every week. I decide to, you know, uh, cut the budget back. I decide, like, I decide all kinds of things all the time. Making the decision and living out the decision are two different things. And this is what Jesus is going to talk about today. And this, when he's working with these people who are thinking about following him. And it's what we're going to talk about today. Here, y'all, anybody else in here a procrastinator? I am a procrastinator. I mean, you need to know, I spend time prepping my sermon throughout the week, but it really doesn't get written until about 6.30 on Sunday morning. I mean, that's, what? 
That is it. And so, so the, there's this YouTube video. I'm just going to show you a little clip of it. It's about the, uh, the, the, the brain, the mind of a procrastinator compared to someone who's not a procrastinator. I'm a creative person. My creativity really doesn't come into like play until there's a deadline, until like, wait, people are going to be there today. i got to say something. At that moment, I'm like, oh, I better figure out what I'm going to say. Even though I got it in my heart, I've not, like, God, that's just how I'm wired. And so this guy, he's got a scan of a, a brain of a procrastinator and a, the brain of a, a non-proc person who's not a procrastinator. Oh, that's hard to say. Let's see if you can see the difference. Maybe. And I, so I could compare them, and I actually brought them here to show you today, and I want you to take a look carefully to see if you can notice a difference. And I know that if you're not a trained brain expert, it's not that obvious, but just take a look, okay? So here's the brain of a non-procrastinator. <laughs> now, here's my brain. <laughs> there is a difference. Both brains have a rational decision maker in them, but the procrastinator's brain also has an instant gratification monkey. Now, what does this mean for the procrastinator? Well, it means everything's fine until this happens. So the rational decision maker will make the rational decision to do something productive, but the monkey doesn't like that plan. So he actually takes the wheel and he says, actually, let's read the entire Wikipedia page of the Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding scandal, because I just remember that that happened. Then, then we're going to go over to the fridge. We're going to see if there's anything new in there since 10 minutes ago. After that, we're going to go on a YouTube spiral that starts with videos of Richard Feynman talking about magnets and ends much, much later with us watching interviews with Justin Bieber's mom. All of that's going to take a while, so we're not going to really have room on the schedule for any work today. Sorry. So that's the idea, right? I mean, do we, does that happen to anybody else? I was like, yeah, I think I've watched that interview with Justin Bieber's mom. No, it, this is what happens. The world that we're in is this distraction. Today, we're going to talk about three, three things, three distractions that come straight out of Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62, as Jesus is speaking to people who are thinking about following him. Some of them even express a desire to follow him, and yet they can't lay these things down. They can't count this cost. They can't pay the cost it requires to follow Jesus. We're going to talk about comfort. We're going to talk about commitments. We're going to talk about control. All right? Y'all good? Yeah, good? First verses, Luke 9, 57 through 58. As they were walking along the road, wait, I want to give you a little context. Jesus is here in a moment. This is after verse 51 where he's headed toward Jerusalem and he's moving from village to village. And as he's going here, people are like getting word. He's healing people. Things are happening. As this is always happening, people are coming to him. Some start to follow, and, and they leave, and they go with him, and some don't. Well, as he was walking down this road, uh, a man said to him, that's where he's at. He's headed toward Jerusalem, ready to, to, for his, his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, everything. Man, the world is getting ready to get flipped upside down, so much so that the calendar of the year that you are in today is based off of Jesus Christ. I mean, this impacted the world like nothing else. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no Airbnb. 
He has no place to lay his head. This man, we don't know the, the guy's response in, in, the, in the context of the passage. It's written in a way that I think it infers that this man chose not to follow. But Jesus makes some things clear here. Um, like, if you want to come follow me, in following me, you will not find all the comforts and pleasures and, and the, the things that you as a person and, 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 and as a self that you, that you desire and you want. This is not a joy ride. This is not a life of pleasure. This is not an opportunity to go on a, 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 an extended vacation and explore the world. He said, the fox and the dens, the birds have nests of these animals, but the Son of Man, the Son of God, the, the very Messiah, the one that we believe in, had no place at some times to lay his head. You know, uh, America, we're also obsessed with comfort <laughs> and safety. I mean, these are just a few things. Like this is a, on the left is a Bluetooth speaker that works in the shower. I mean, how did people make it without that? This cool tongue and spatula that is like whatever for pancakes. I mean, Lord forbid our fitted sheet come off our mattress. You got to build this strap for it. Uh, these nice little uh, you know sleeping um, uh, what mask with wireless headphones in them, right? It's dark, and I can listen to what I need to. We were at Big Sandy Furniture the other day, and I turned around, and our kids are, like, climbed up in these big massage chairs, and there's things going up their necks and arms, and I'm like, what in the world is that thing? And I walked over, and I said, I know what that thing is. It's $8,000. <laughs> Get out of it. All right? like... I mean, what in the world is that? I mean, Jesus, I mean, what would he say? We are so obsessed with personal comfort and pleasure. We would pay, I paid $9,000 for my truck. Ch and if you've got a chair, if you've got that chair, I'm so sorry. I mean, it's okay to have the chair. I'm not saying, but I, I, what I want you to see is this, this, this obsession with physical things to make us happy and bring us comfort come from a broken heart. This obsession to say, man, I'm having an emotionally hard day. I've been stressed out. It has been difficult. I got this, I, 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 got, I got maybe things from the past that if I'm not filling my mind with busyness and, and, and something just to comfort, just to ease my mind and give me rest and, and take me out of all my worries. See, what this does is what these things become are things that let us run from the real things that we never want to address in our heart and in our life. And Jesus says, if you're going to come with me, you're going you're to dig all the bones out of the closet. All right, and you're not going to skim over the surface and be on a joyride. You're going to talk about the hard things, the trauma, the heartache, the, the abuse, the, the sin, the mistakes, all the things. This is not 
a joyride, you've got to be willing to run from those things. You've got to be willing to give it up. If you want to come with me, yeah, there might be some nights. We're in a town, and yeah, somebody hosts us up, and we have a nice dinner with it down, but there will very likely be nights that people are going to run us out of town. There's going to be very likely there's going to be nights that you're going to face persecution for following Christ. There's going to be times that we are not comfort. My father-in-law, Danny, always had this saying, and listen, I was a lazy kid. My dad, I'm sorry. I was. I was a lazy kid, man. I didn't like doing. I just, I was lazy. So if you got lazy kids, there's hope. Let me just start. I was. I, I, I did. I would, I'd mow the yard, and uh, I mean, I really think there was one summer my dad asked me to paint the kitchen. It took me like two months. I'm serious. Like, he'd go to work and come home and be like, how much did you paint? I was like, I painted two paneling sheets. Like, I mean, I was a lazy kid. That's just honest. I don't know where I was going with that. I think I just confessed some stuff to you all. <laughs> oh, yeah, my, other, my father-in-law. And, and uh, when I started dating Bethany and we got married, he, he would always say, you got to keep yourself in a bind. I was like, that doesn't make sense. I want to be comfortable. And this is a man that just, and my dad was too, hard worker. Danny's a hard worker. Like, he's just working. He retired and hasn't quit working. Since, I mean, he just started building stuff at their house and going to other people's house. Like, he just, like, I'm not going to sit in the couch. What is that thing is what he would say. I'm not saying he's perfect. But from that and my dad, I, I, I realized this, the importance of, of keeping ourselves in the body. Because what I'm going to tell you, if you are comfortable, you are not growing. And I want to tell you this, too, that, that man, if, just, if life is just so rosy and you feel so comfortable, there's a very good chance you are not following. And if your desired state and your dream in life is to have made it and got the American dream and have the house and the car and the thing and the stuff and the dues and the families and three kids and, or two kids, one of each gender, like if that's the, the like, let me tell you, the pleasure, the joy, the perfection that is expected and idolized and all that never comes. Never. Like this is a war on this side of heaven. You're, if you're going to follow Christ, you are going into war. And so don't get in some state of mind that eventually, man, it's just going to be all good here. That's heaven. Eventually, yes, it's all going to be good. But don't think, if I can just get through this work week, if I can just get through that, if I can just get to retirement, if I can just get graduated, if I can just get married, if I can, like, you just lay all those things out there, man, it never comes. I promise. There's beauty in all of it, and there's joy, but there's brokenness in all of it, too. Lou Giglio said it like this, I have a deep conviction that the greatest regret any of us will ever know is that of standing before Jesus, knowing we lived too safe, too comfortable, too short-sighted, realizing we were gluttons for pleasure when we were supposed to be lean warriors for others' freedom and Jesus' fame. Man, that's good. We were glutton for pleasures when we were supposed to be Lean warriors for others' freedom and Jesus' fame. He made it clear to this guy, you got to give some things up. There's a cost of following. The first one was comfort. The second guy, the first guy came to Jesus and said, man, I'm going to follow you. And Jesus is like, you're going to be homeless. 
well, that's pretty rough. But this thing about Jesus, you know what the thing about Jesus happened one way he's different than you and me? We just heard what that man said. He saw his heart. And maybe in that man's heart, he was saying, man, all Jesus' disciples are cool. They're little rebels. I won't be part of that. That's cool. And Jesus saw right in his heart that he wasn't wanting to follow him for the right reasons. He was wanting to follow him for selfish reasons. We don't know. Same thing here. Another harsh reality that Jesus just lays out. And this is, he approaches a man. Jesus says, this is another man. Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Pretty good request. I mean, that's, I mean, other place in the Bible is clear. We're supposed to take care of our family and, and all that good stuff. And, I mean, Jesus just drops a bomb here. Let the dead bury their dead. What? But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. There will be things uh, in your life, and here what, what, what I want to say, the first distraction or the cost is comfort. The second is commitments. I mean, you, we will make lists of everything we have to do. Everything. Everything we have to do. Places we got to go, sports, work, whatever, and I'm not saying abandon all, maybe Jesus would, I don't know, I mean, he did to this guy, we don't know, the, 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 some commentary around this says, it's not likely that the man's father was already dead, because he would have not been there with Jesus, he would have been in the process of burying his dad, it was probably more likely that maybe he was elderly, and maybe he was sick, and it was inevitable that eventually uh, he, he was going to pass away, and, and so this guy was like, yeah, I'll go with you, but I'm gonna, I gotta go wait for my, my dad to pass away, or I gotta go bury my dad. And, and Jesus, is like, man, you know, you realize what, what I want you to get out of this is that there's an urgency here that Jesus gets to. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. In other, in other words, the dead are dead. Yet, in our planet today, there's 7 billion, 8 billion living. Many who don't know Christ, who need to know Christ. Like then there are, maybe you could count three friends, five friends, ten acquaintances that don't know Christ. And he says, listen, listen, I know you got commitments, but if you want to follow me, this is the priority. This is the urgency. This is, this is the, uh, the, the, the immediate. Right now, we got to go. There's lives to save. I mean, at any point, this whole world could be, it could be done. And, and yet we might say, let me get through this busy season. Let, let me get the promotion. Let me, get, yeah, uh, 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 let me get comfortable in my own walk with God before I start sharing with other people. Uh, you know, I'd love to read my Bible in the morning. God, the snooze button is so good. And we got all these commitments and other things that, that are so hard to let go of. The third thing we see here is another guy that Jesus is talking to. And uh, it still, says, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. These are another rough 
like, really? I thought family was good. I can't go say bye. And as I thought about this and I was reading through it, what, what I really saw here for this person was, you see, we, we say we serve God, but we, we, we walk this tiptoe line where we really want to be God. Where we want to be in control. Where, where this guy says, oh, Jesus asked me to follow him. Or he, I told Jesus I'd follow him. And Jesus' response is, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Well, look what the guy said. I will follow you, Lord, but... I mean, how many, how many buts were got? We're going to look at some in a minute. You're like, what is this? Is this church? We are. But he said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And it wasn't the fact that he wanted to go say goodbye to his family. It was that he had already chosen. How do you follow Jesus yet still choose what you're going to do next? Like that doesn't even make sense. I will follow you, but first let me go back and say to my family. Like, wait, no, you said you were going to follow me. Are you going to follow me or you're not going to follow me? Maybe if he came to the mind and says, like, Lord, I'm following you. I'm all in. We'll go wherever you want to go. Would you mind if I go say bye to my family? That's different. He said, but I'm, I'm going to go do this first. See, Jesus, again, is seeing us in the heart, and you know what? He sees it into your heart, too. And he, he may have known this one guy that says, I got to go bury my dad. I, I got to go say bye to my family. Maybe in their hearts, so that was just the excuse, right? If it wouldn't have been that, it would have been something else. And Jesus knows, like, you're not, you're not body in. You're just coming up with anything. And so Jesus speaks very plainly into them and says, anybody who puts their hand to the plow and looks back, is not fit for service in the kingdom of God. What I'd like for you to take just a minute uh, is to think about when it comes to a comfort, a commitment, a control issue, you're saying, but I, I, like I've done so many times, oh yeah, I'd go do that if God wanted me to, but he don't want me to right now. <laughs> me knowing he did because I had all these butts. Let's look at some butts. Today's about kicking butts. You've never heard a preacher say butt this many times in a sermon. But let's look at some. I got a, got a big butt. It's gigantic, if I'm going to be blunt about it. And you know what? The funny thing is, I got several big butts. And, and, and before, you, before you discard me or, or wince at the disgusting notion of that, I'm going to go out on a limb here and suggest that possibly you have at least one big butt as well. Yeah, you like that? Hurts a little, huh? Let me tell you something. Let me just tell you something, okay? Everybody we know has a big butt. And more often than not, it's the thing that actually gets in the way of us living a consistent life for Jesus. Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. But I'm gonna expound a little bit, okay? See if you can recognize some of these butts. But I have to work more. But my favorite TV show is on. But my kids have practice, but I gotta tweet something. But it's such a beautiful day. But I'm just not in the mood. But I deserve a break today. You see, everything 
kind of interferes with my life of, of just living an authentic life for God, okay? And more often than not, it always has something to do with some sort of but, okay? Even the littlest of but can distract me. It really can. The littlest but can make me think, well, I'm not going to pray today. I'm not going to think about it today. I'm not going to deny myself. I'm not going to read the Bible, blah, blah, blah. Whatever God asks me to do, I seem to have a but for it and get away, okay? And the most horrendously big but of all time is the but that gets in the way of me just hanging out with God and reading His Word. It's true. Think about it. All the times you're about to open that, and all of a sudden the big giant butt gets in the way. A butt, much like one of these. But I got a farm bill, but I'm tired, but the game's over, but I read last Tuesday, but I gotta check Facebook, but I don't like Leviticus, but it's too hot in here, but I, I just don't like books, but I don't understand it, but it's boring. But what does that have to do with me in the 21st century? Those are some ugly butts, people. Let's just call them what they are, ugly. Ugly butts, okay? And there's a lot more to them, sad but true. Here's a list, although not exhaustive, of some of the most popular butts known to mankind. But I don't have enough money yet. But others will think that I'm a nerd if I carry the Bible. But they won't like me if I talk about Jesus. But I don't know if God will do what I ask. But I just can't get motivated. But I'm afraid. But I don't have all the answers. But the small group is the same night as Monday Night Football. But can I just let my life speak for itself? But I'm not happy. That's not my gift. That's the pastor's job. But I don't know how to pray. But I can't believe that. But I don't know where to start. But everybody else is having fun. Butts abound, friend. But, 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 but. Here a but, there a but. Everywhere a but, but. Okay? And, and, and the most overused but of all time, but I just don't have enough time. Really? Oh, come on. We have a lot of buts. God has given us a real simple word. Okay? If we learn it and we share it and we teach it and we live by it, then see, God gets glorified, people benefit, and then we get blessed. That's why we do what we do. That's the why behind the but. Okay? And ultimately, that's the whole point I'm trying to make here, my fellow butt lovers, is if your butt is bigger than your why, then your butt's too big. Okay, it's time to, metaphorically speaking, snap into a Slim Jim. Okay, let's slap on some spiritual shape-ups and hit the road a little bit so we can just manage the butts a little bit. That's all we're trying to do. That's what we're talking about. Let's minimize the excuses. Let's shrink the butts. Shrink the butts. Say it with me. Shrink the butts. That's what we need to do. And you and I can do that together. We can conquer this. You and I can do it. We start today, okay? I know we can. Let's just do it. No ifs, ands, or... While there's some humor there, there's nothing more offensive to Christ than the butt you're putting toward him. Then what you're saying has to come first. I'm asking you, what are the distractions in your life, we're going to take a moment during the invitation in just a minute. We're going to sing another song. It says nothing else. And if you got a bulletin today, I've got some extras here. This is a day. This is a date you could write down and say that thing that I've been, I've been, I've been struggling with. This comfort, this this thing that's dragging to me. There's a there's a short piece of paper here. I want you to write it down. You can keep it. You can lay it right here, and it's at the foot of the cross. You can leave it there. It can die there. You know, this comfort, this commitment, this control all goes back. It all goes back to what he said in verse 23, that if you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. Like, you've got to die to yourself. Because what's comfort about? It's about me. What's commitment about? It's about me. What's control about? It's about me and what I want to do. And yeah, I want to follow you, but I want to do this. I want to do it this way. I want to do it this time. And it's not completely giving everything over uh, to Christ. Some of y'all just 
You, know, you remember Frank Sinatra, that song, I Did It My Way. Right, that's how we want to let. Man, you go read the words to that song, and I used to love it. You know, just uh, I was a jazz piano major, and it was uh, it was just a song that I liked. But you go read the words, man, it's scary. I did. You don't want to get to the end and say I did it my way. All right, you don't want to get your life lived out, stand before God and say I did it my way. That's the last thing we want to say. Maybe uh, a following is a bit scary to you in a big way. I, I want to say this, that, um, that courage doesn't exist without fear. That if you're scared in this moment, in this time, in this place, if you're scared, this is the canvas, this is the stage to make the courageous decision. Like you are in a place to make a big decision that change your life forever, change your neighbor's life forever, change your family forever. See, Jesus went on this, this mission. He was resolutely going to Jerusalem to die himself to save others. He invites to go on this mission with him and to go on the mission with him. We've got to die to ourself to save others. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like we got to get on this thing and be focused and, and cast the distractions out, all the, the desire for comfort and the commitments we've already made. And we got to say, I can change my commitments. I can rearrange things. We can say, like, I don't have to be in control. I was in control of my life once, and it was a mess. I'll just be honest. we got to give him control and trust him to follow. we got to be willing to die to self, to save our friends. Here's the real risk of distraction for unbelievers. You may be here today, you've never, like, like you've just been the one that's decided to follow, but you've never done it, never, maybe never even professed Christ, Christ publicly. And for you, the risk of distraction and picking all the other things over Christ is, is definitely a life here of purpose and freedom. Like, you're struggling with a lot of stuff that God has already paid and carried the burden for. Like, you could give it all to him. And then you're also giving up an eternity of peace. This is a decision, a choice that has eternal consequences. You see, God didn't, he doesn't exist to punish you for your sin. You see, we sinned, we messed up. Mankind messed up. And we were in a hopeless situation because the wages of sin are death. We are destined to die and be eternally separated from God. Yet, yet he came, and in the middle of all that, like you all totally messed up. Y'all ever tried to love somebody that just keeps messing up? Somebody said, yeah, I'm married. Are you trying to help somebody that's coming out of a bad situation? Maybe somebody in addiction, and you're trying to help them. It's like, man, I keep trying to help you. And you take two steps forward and one step backward. And so we start getting a little bit haughty by saying, well, you know, that feeling is exactly how God feels about every single one of us. Is that he is trying to, like, I've laid it all, I have did everything for you, yet you still keep turning around trying to do things yourself. The price has been paid. You, I'm not here to punish you. I love you. I'm here to rescue you. And all you have to do is believe. 
All you have to do is repent of your sins, profess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and like everything is wiped clean. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life. You become a new creation, and your life begins to change. For believers, this is the risk in my mind, that as we would rather live an American Christian life of comfort with SUVs and and homes and all the stuff and go to church on Sundays. This is the risk of not saying no to comfort and commitments and control is that there, there might be a nation waiting on you today. There might be a whole family waiting on you today. There might be a whole classroom of children waiting on you today. There may be a whole group of people waiting for deliverance because you're stuck in complacency. Take a moment as we get ready to sing, and if you feel led to write something, you can keep it. I'd encourage you to come lay it down. You don't have to put your name on it. Just lay it down at the cross. God, I, God, we come to you right now in this moment, in this time, in this place. And God, we don't want to be like these three in Luke chapter 9 that you interacted with that, that, that had some interest and, and maybe even made a choice to follow you. But then when it got difficult, we realized it takes sacrifice. When, when, and they realized they didn't want to pay the cost of what that meant. And they backed away from you. God, we just pray today that you would show us those things in our life. God, that are keeping us from giving our whole heart, from giving our entire life, from saying, I'm dying to myself so that I may live in you. God, let me bear my cross daily. God, as a reminder that you died so that others might live, And when I step out to follow you, remind me I've agreed to do the same, that this is not about me, that the only answer for my brokenness, my broken heart, the deep, the depression, the anxiety, the worries, the fears, is a relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.